Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. All right, and we are live. How's it going, Ranger fans? Thank you guys for chiming in. It is Ranger Review episode 57. And damn, oh boy, is this going to be a fun episode today, folks. The New York Rangers did it. They somehow, some way, legged out after beating down 3-1 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. After giving up 14 goals and two effing games, somehow, some way, come all the way back to win it in seven. We're so pumped up. I'm so excited to break this all down. I hope you guys are too. For everyone in the live stream, thank you guys so much for being here. For people that are listening wherever you get your podcasts, thank you so much too. We'll be deep diving our initial reactions to this amazing series victory for the New York Rangers. Everything that went right, what went wrong, and how we are looking ahead now to the Carolina matchup facing a bunch of former Rangers. Not the Tampa Bay Rangers, but yes, the Carolina Rangers. So we'll be deep diving that all. And I'm very, very excited. Like I said, I can't contain myself. Steven, how are you feeling today, man? Uh, tired, exhausted, happy. Uh, excited, you know, thrilled. Uh, so many emotions, but mostly tired. Um, thankful that the Rangers and the Penguins decided to finish it in, in the first overtime period and not, not carry it all the way on to a third one again. Um, no, but... This team, man, um, yeah, you know that early in the season, when you asked me what 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 is your goal for the Rangers, I said, I want the Rangers to play at least seven playoff games. That's it. That's as easy as I can as I can phrase it. Because you can, if you play seven games, you either have a game seven elimination or you make the second round, and either of those are great experience for a young team. But for the Rangers to come back from being down 3-1 in the series, being down 2-0 in Game 5, very reminiscent of the Capital Series in 2015. If um, the people that that have been following the Rangers for a couple of years will probably remember this. Yes. Capitals up 3-1 in the series. And in the game, the Capitals were up 2-1. And 20 seconds to go, Chris Kreider tied it. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to reference something that was said on the broadcast that day. Rangers tied with 20 seconds to go, and then they win in an overtime. I think it was McDonough who scored. Yes, it was Mac who pinched in and just absolutely yeah. ripped it. Yep, I remember that like it was yesterday. I think it was Stepan who threatened to shoot and then passed it sideways yeah. to McDonough, who had a better angle, and then Correct. won in an overtime. And the camera panned in, panned on to uh, focused on Mad Zuccarello. Who was out with uh who had that weird puck to the head of course yeah he literally he literally like cracked his skull it mm-hmm. was like it was yeah. it was insane what happened and as as the video as the the broadcast focuses on zuccarello the play-by-play guy of the nbc crew um trying to remember who it was it wasn't doug emmerich but um the other guy uh or maybe it was a radio call i don't know uh, I'm really bad at, at at linking names, especially radio. You know, maybe it was Don LaGreca, but someone said um, the Rangers just planted a seed. And when the Rangers in this series won game five and came back to 3-2, I felt the exact same way. There was something different about, about how the Rangers played that game. And, you know, 
They started off shit, to be perfectly honest. You know, that triple overtime game was terrible. Um, gave up way too many shots. But as the series progressed, um, the players that needed to step up stepped up. Um, Shashjorkin, the last five games, so after games one and two, his save percentage went from 733 to 800 to 906 to 912 to 933 in game seven. And what's even yeah. more impressive about that, Stephen, is in every third period, combining all the third periods for the Rangers in this series, Igor had a save percentage of 990. Explain yeah. to me how in God's name is that possible. But yes, yeah. for Igor Shosturkin, the anomaly of a goaltender this season, that is in fact possible. And, you know, we are now going on to a series against the Carolina Hurricanes, which we'll dive into later. Yes, after arguably getting the worst goaltending we'll ever get from Igor Shosturkin. Um, but some numbers. After being down 3-1 in the series, in the final three games, the players that stepped up, Mika Zibanejad, seven points in three games. Adam Fox, six points. Andrew Kopp, four points. Chris Kreider, three goals. Ryan Strom, three assists. And, of course, Artemi Panarin with that overtime game winner last night, game seven. Um, Panarin did not have a good series, and this has been a theme in the regular season, too. You know, he plays underwhelming, and somehow, some way, he still finds finds a way to contribute. He still finds a way to get us the win. He and just needs to shoot the puck. He didn't do it at all. He didn't do it at yeah. all the entire game yesterday until yeah. it mattered most. But this team, if you compare this to 2014, 2015, you know the big difference between those teams and this team? In alignment. Uh, that team was just depth. That team had three second lines. Yes. This team has two top lines that can go up against the on on their day when they are when they are in the zone, they can go up against the best team. Game seven, Zabanajet was 72% on faceoffs. I was Steven, I was so effing jaw dropped the amount yep. of faceoffs he was winning there in yep. the end, and then in OT, I was like, "What? Yep. Where did I was like, where did this come from, Mika? Oh my god, it was insane!" Yeah, yeah, I think I think hiring that linesman over the summer finally paid off. I, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was a little, it was a little on overdue, but hey, it worked. Um, <laughs> no, but the balance this team has, man. You, the first couple of games, you have the, the 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 kids stepping up. You know, Miller, Schneider, Heal, Kako, Lafreniere. And they deserve all the praise in the world for what they did this series. Look, My goodness. First, first time since 1979, the Rangers have at least four players aged 22 or younger to score a goal in the same series. Wow. Heal, Miller, Kako, Lafreniere. Um, Schneider, three assists. This Not series. bad. Not bad. He had a secondary assist on the first goal by Kreider last night. That uh, that two on one breakaway he set up for Zabanajad. Yeah, it's just you know as a Rangers fan, it's just this this is this is as good as it gets ever since the rebuild started so far. You know, um, we have we're in the second round. Uh, we have our young player stepping up, Adam Fox with that four assist game in Game Six. Man, that's Ooh. you. Because, that was huge because Foxy, Foxy definitely had his, you know, his peaks and valleys mm -hmm. in the series. Because let's also not forget games three and four were arguably our worst games, both played in Pittsburgh. Now for game six, you had to go back to Pittsburgh. Yep. And you had to go 
go to Pittsburgh to tie the series, and that's when Adam Fox steps up with four assists. Man, it's just it's just so awesome. Um, yeah. Igor Shostorkin, the youngest Rangers goalie to record a win in Game Seven. Wow. Um. Oh, here's another one. Adam Fox, the first Rangers defenseman ever to score in seven different games in the same playoff series. Not even Brian Leach has done that. First defenseman to record a point in seven different games in a, in a series. Beautiful. Um, and the last thing I want to say... Uh, Oh, thank you to uh, Mike Matheson, by the way, uh, you know, for that beautiful goal to tie it up. Oh, so uh, sweet of him. I knew that he would or, be effective somehow. Or as I called him, Mike Nemethison. <laughs> you see, uh, you me, see uh, how you see how different this team looks without Nemeth in the lineup. Oh yes, yes. Ridiculous. Um, Kreider, the first Rangers, is Adam Graves in '96, and 15th all time to score at least five goals in a playoff series. Um, and the last thing I'll share here um, uh, is Kreider. You know, I, I've been talking about Kreider's number going up in the rafters when he retires. Cup or not, it's going to happen. Mark my words. Book it. Um, and I've been talking about regular season numbers and where in five years he'll end up. Playoff edition. Where Chris Kreider ranks in Rangers history in the playoffs. Second in goals. Tenth in points. Fourth in power play goals, first in game winning goals, seventh in game played, get games played. And he still has five years to go. And this team is on the brink of becoming a contender for a decade. Kreider's going to finish in first place in all these categories in Rangers history. He's going to be first in games played, points, goals, power play goals. He's already first in game winning goals with eight. Sorry, nobody can convince me that number 20 is not going up in the rafters when he retires. Okay, Stephen. Uh, I got a lot to say here. I know, you, I know you do too. And let me just start off again by describing the, the complete lack of feeling I had, how numb I was after losing game five the way that they did. Alexi Lafreniere, of course, scores that first goal of the game. That was the only highlight of that game. I think we can all say it was you mean dumb. game four. Game oh, four. Game, game four. Yes, my my mistake. Yes, I it, the the amount of life that was lost in this team for you know I wouldn't even say you know the first game between those back to back. I mean, I, the Rangers played a game, a very close game. That again, not going to count those empty netters. You know, that was a close one till the very end. They just didn't play again a full sixty. They only played one strong period, in my opinion. There, game three, and then game four, they didn't play one strong period the entire game. And don't get me wrong, the officiating was absolutely horrendous this entire series. We saw it all. We saw so many calls in the beginning going the Pens' way. We saw some calls that I say definitely there were some calls that went the Rangers' way. But, I mean, it was so lopsided, it really how it felt that way. Without with trying to take off my biased glasses as much as humanly possible, it was absolutely absurd the amount of stuff that we were getting away with. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. And for that reason, I do believe that the series felt done. It really did after you saw what happened through the first couple games when they were down 3-1 the way that they were. Then for them to get the life that they did there, and to score after being down by a couple goals in what felt like every single game after that, to come back 
and for Mika more than anything. Everyone was calling for Mika's head. That entire line, that entire Kreider Mika line was non-existent for the, the first couple of games. He wasn't winning faceoffs. He wasn't doing anything effective. I thought Mika had an okay first game, but for the most part, outside of that, it was terrible. So to see him be able to come back and not just step up, but show that, yes, he is worthy of his new contract. Same thing, not just with him, but the guys I feel are still, they got a lot of credit, but they deserve all the credit in the world, is those kids. That entire young line of Kako, Heedle, and Laffey is the only reason, in my opinion, why the Rangers stayed in this series, even though that they were down 3-1. Heedle proved, in my opinion, that Chris Drury has a lot more questions to figure out and answer this offseason. Heedle has played his best hockey of his entire career that we have seen. It's just absolutely jaw-dropping how amazing he has looked, how great Kako has looked, especially on the boards with his one-on-one game. And Laffey, of course, doing what Laffey does, just being such an effective player. And to see them all rally together, and as you said, the guys that are getting paid the big bucks at the end of the day to come through, this changes everything. Okay, look, I have no clue how this Carolina series is going to go. I obviously hope that the Rangers get through. But if I'm being completely honest, even if they don't, I feel so much better about this team than I would have should the Rangers have won in, say, five games or whatever it may be. Uh, but mm-hmm. seriously, I mean, it, the complete script just completely flips now. Now we head to the Carolina, and now we enter the offseason. Whenever that's going to be at any point, knowing that there are far less questions than I think we originally had. And a, hu- a massive props needs to go to the likes of Gerard Gallant. Because Gallant, especially in those first couple, when we were down 3-1, he was doing very little adjustments. He was not doing enough, in my opinion, to get but a higher his ass. Last night, we were down after two periods. And he changed it up, and it it, it was perfect. It yeah. was like it was like David Quinn, but actually when you're supposed to change it up. Not every couple minutes, when it's meant to be. A perfect timeout when he did it with the power play, he was locked in. That proved so much to me about Galan and everyone. Mm-hmm. And Igor to step up the way he did after, of course, in that game first couple games when he got hit by Carter. Did not look the same after that. You saw the chance for bothering Igor in, uh, in Pittsburgh. He was not. He gave up some soft goals. Don't get me wrong. The Rangers hunt him out to dry, but that was some of the worst goaltending that I've seen from Igor all year long. And it wasn't all on his fault, of course. But to see him, to see everyone completely change things, while again Crosby in the lineup, Raquel and Jari back for that game seven, that and meant Tucker. so much more to me. And of course, as yeah. it's seen in the chat right now, and I agree wholeheartedly, Tyler Mott. Tyler Mott was my favorite player last night, from the PK to the five on five. He just was electric every single time he was on the ice. And what all and these guys about, the way they I've been did. Talking about wow. ever since, I've been talking about Mott ever since we acquired him at the deadline. This guy is different. This guy brings something that the Rangers don't have yet. You know, I like Vetrano. Uh, I love Vetrano. But Vetrano is a player that yeah, I'm not worried about, you know, keeping. Mott, on the other hand, he, he solidifies our bottom six. And with Goudreau out of the lineup, the return of Tyler Mott really gave us that 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 structure in the bottom six that we needed. Absolutely. I mean, you were praising Mott left and right, as was I, as soon as he was acquired by the Rangers. He wasn't putting up the points, but he was doing everything mm-hmm. that you need from a bottom six forward. And now that the Rangers have him, I mean, it absolutely, it 100% sucks that we don't have Barkley Goodrow right now. Maybe we will get him back at some point in the Carolina series. I know that Gallant says, you know, he's, de- he's not going to say that he's definitely out. But at, at the very least, at, 
thankfully we have Mott back because that fits a huge role that this team desperately needed. It just it's a spark like no tomorrow. And without Mott, I don't see the Rangers winning the series. I really don't. No. Yeah, it's just you know last night uh, putting Mott with Zabanjan and Kreider when he when he was starting to mix it up. Um, Mott got the breakaway, did didn't convert on, but that's fine. Um, but something happened when Galand was was mixing the lines. And and this is the difference between Galand and Quinn. Quinn was mixing and mixing lines and benching players the moment anything happened. Like it, 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 could, it could have been game 13 of the regular season where the Rangers give up a two-goal lead and he goes, okay, now I'm going to bench like these three players and I'm going to go with nine forwards for the rest of the game. That, that doesn't work. Um, Galand, on the other hand, never benches his fourth line. We were in a triple overtime game, game one, and Reeves and Rooney were still out there. And you can argue that, yeah, they're not going to win you the game, but by putting them out there for a 30, 40 second shift once in a while, it keeps your top line players fresh. So it still gives you a, a better chance to win. Um, but yeah, I mean, this series had everything. And I cannot get enough of the salty tears of Penguins fans. It reminds it, me of there's, uh, I'm sure you're not aware of this, but there's a show called South Park. You might be aware of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, there, and there's, and it's a real, it's a really, it's a really messed up episode. So I won't get into it. But point being is that Cartman finds himself like quite literally drinking the tears of the guy that he was trying to upset. And he's like, all oh, those tears are so yummy doing all that. That's how most Ranger fans feel right now, because yeah. if it wasn't as lopsided as it was in this series, and if it wasn't for the Rangers being taken away from a game winning goal, game one, I think the perspective is completely different. I mean, not fully, but a good portion of the perspective is different, but for Penn's fans to be out for, of course, that you'll be talking about more here in a second with Sullivan focusing on the helmet as if he didn't just watch his team have opportunity after opportunity to secure a series victory after being up 3-1 with one or multi-goal lead in every single one of these games. I think there's some self-reflection that needs to be had. Same oh, with Crosby. Speaking of, speaking of self-reflection and the helmet incident, um, maybe the Penguins should take some time to educate their players on the rule book. Let me hear it, Stephen. A player does not necessarily have to go to the bench when he loses his helmet. Mm -hmm. He can pick up his helmet, put it back on in a timely manner, and stay on the ice. But what did what did Patterson do? He was complaining. He threw his hands up in the air. He was looking at the refs. And then he, he did exactly what you shouldn't do in that situation. Yeah, yeah. But here's my favorite thing about that whole sequence: because Sullivan complains that that cost them the goal. No. Latang came on for uh, for Pedersen after that incident. By the time Zabanejev scored the goal, Latang was already set up. He was in between Jari and Zabanejev. He was set up. He was ready to, to make a defensive play, and he just didn't. The helmet didn't cost him the game. Um, and, you know, if, if I'm Mike Sullivan, I'd be more upset by my team giving up a lead three games in a row where you have the opportunity to clinch. You you you're up three one in the series, and then let let me let me let me quickly go back right okay so you're up three one in the series right you go into game five you travel into New York you play at Madison Square Garden, Gensel and Latang score, 
and with uh, with 35 minutes to go, you're up two goals. You're 35 minutes away from from ending the series in five games. That's it. All you have to do is not concede multiple goals in 35 minutes. And what do they do, Stephen? Well, they concede a three in two minutes. There but... you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, all this, all this complaining about oh, but the elbow to the face with Crosby. Well, first of all, you know he didn't have a concussion. It was... Are you? There was a more blatant elbow, wasn't it, from Latane? No, that was a blatant elbow from Gensel on Truba. That yeah, was, was yeah. Called. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. There, Truba has been in the mix of a lot of things, and I don't believe that he has been fully innocent in all of them. But that was not a play, in my personal opinion, where he was straight up head hunting. But naturally, because he has an error to being a big body defenseman who quite literally just crippled um, a Jujar Kara during the season, especially mm. that stood out to a lot of every, everyone when that was a clean hit. But again, we live in a day and age with hockey where, God forbid, if you have yourself thrown a clean hit, you drop the gloves right away because that's just the game we live in now. You can't yeah. you can't play the way that you used to, even when it is clean. I also think it's it's ironic that Penguins fans complain about the helmet rule, which was designed for player safety, <laughs> when they also complain about you know uh, their players being being targeted. Like, I mean, what do you want? You know. Talking um, about safety, I, I feel very, com- I feel pretty confident saying that Crosby probably played through a concussion. I, I don't see them focusing about their own personal health and safety. Look, if Crosby wants to play through a concussion, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to really, really going to argue with him. But look, the no, Penguins not argue with him either. I mean, no, I don't blame him. I'm just saying, I mean, like, from a health standpoint, it's very hypocritical. But the reason the Penguins lost is because they couldn't hold a lead to save their fucking lives. Um, game five, they have a two-goal lead with 35 minutes to go. Game six, they have a two-goal lead uh, at the end of the first period. They still give it give it away. And then game seven, they have a 2-1 lead uh, with 30 minutes to go in the game. And then a 3-2 lead uh, with five minutes to go. They had a lead in every one of those games where they could have clinched it. But no, they gave it away. And somehow it's it's the referee's fault, even though every 50-50 call went their way. The the Heedle goal in game one. Um, the uh, goal by Evan Rodriguez where the net was dislodged. And I'm not saying these calls shouldn't have gone their way. I'm just saying they're 50-50 calls and they go their way. Um, talk about the, um, the, the, the first Penguins goal last night. Where uh, where it went over the line and the refs didn't see it, but Toronto called in. Yeah. Again, good call, but it's still a call that goes their way. Um, and then the Gensel goal, where and that was borderline. Were, that that was pretty borderline, in my opinion. It was inconclusive. It was inconclusive. If and and people go, oh no, the stick is above the crossbar. It doesn't matter where where the puck touches. Yeah, where the, the puck stick, is. Yep. Where the puck makes makes contact with the stick, and that's something we couldn't see because Shostorkin's glove was blocking it, but. And that's the thing. It was inconclusive, and the call on the eyes was a good goal, so they counted the goal. Every one of those calls could have gone either way. When the Rangers were robbed of that Hedl goal, Galan said, well, it's a 50-50 call, and it didn't go our way. Fine. And now the Penguins, uh, Mike Sullivan is complaining that, that you know, uh, the refs are against them and this and that, blah, blah. No, 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 no. 
No, I'm, I'm not going to say that that the Rangers didn't get calls going their way, but there was no bias against the Penguins. It's a, and this is not just Penguins fans. I'm going to be honest with, uh, with you here. I'm getting sick and tired of Ranger fans complaining about referees during games too. I'm, I'm getting so tired of it. I'm getting so – it's so exhausting to go onto social media after something happens and they go, oh, the refs just hate us. The refs hate New York. Bullshit. No. No, the refs don't hate New York. Just watch the game and some of these some of these decisions will go against us and some of these decisions will go in our favor. It happens. The referees are not trying to – to uh you know to eliminate us because our team is from new york steven if i if i may interject for a second and i've been i felt this way for a while and this isn't anything personal to to anyone specifically but i am not a massive fan of a large contingency that is rangers twitter let alone social media i just the same thing how i am with a lot of my fellow mets fans and you guys know that because that you know they 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 quite literally think the sky is falling when we're down by a run so it's I see a lot of those similarities, and again, it's New York, it's Big Apple. I get it; they're always we're always going to have that irrationality. But I mean, so many fans just take it so so effing far to the point where I just I I just find myself biting my tongue. I'm like I, I just I can't. I, I really just can't. I, there's so many moments where I just like I'm not I I, I do yeah. I do not give a damn about about this right now. I, I really don't. And it's unfortunate, but again, that's that is a part of being in new york that that's just going to happen at the end of the day regardless on if we like it or dislike it opinions everyone's a towel to them doesn't mean that we have to agree with them all and i know i surely don't mm-hmm. but yeah, listen the rangers won a game seven at home against a team that had never lost a game seven on the road <clears throat> go coming into last night's game the penguins were six and oh on the road in game seven in history so yeah, we uh, we 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 did something that had never happened before, and so many records. And you know we're going on to the second round, and we'll see what happens next. But um, yeah, this series was. I said this to you earlier. This series consisted of three phases. You had phase one where the Rangers and the Penguins split games one and two. They had phase two where we were absolutely dominated in all three zones. You know, some of the worst hockey I've I've ever seen from the Rangers. All, that's all what, that's that's probably some of the worst playoff hockey I've seen from the Rangers in my lifetime. That's the worst playoff hockey I've ever seen from the Rangers. And in my I've seen the Rangers get swept. I've seen the Rangers lose lose series in five games. Yeah, this was different though. Um, I remember when they played the Capitals. I think in 2010, and they lost in five, and it felt like a sweep. But it was still, it was still, they, they still played decent. You know, they still ha- had opportunities. Games three and four of this series were absolutely dreadful. And yeah, um, Shashorkin was part of that too. Um, but you can see seven goals in back-to-back games in the playoffs. That had never happened before for the Rangers. Um, and, and then what we talked about uh, earlier, the next three games, you're you're facing elimination. Three games in a row, the Rangers are now 19 and 11 in the salary cap era in elimination games. By the way, I mean, and if I'm being quite honest, I think we know what the biggest factors in every single one of those games has been. Uh, don't, don't overthink this, goalie. Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, true. Um, but yeah, there's something about Game Seven, man. Um, 
Igor got that first taste of what Henrik was known for. You know what I mean? Like it just, it was so, it it was so great to see. I know we've already seen the passing of the torch, but this is that further passing of the torch. Now it's playoff hockey time. It's a different animal. And, and knowing that he went through the absent flows that he did in this series where we quite literally saw, I think some of the worst hockey that we've ever seen from Igor Shosturkin, all things Mm -hmm. considered in this series. Same way we've seen some of the worst playoff hockey ever by the Rangers. You could have, this was quite literally, as you mentioned, and it's so crazy to fathom again, three different series in one. And one thing that I do want to mention quick, because we didn't really talk about much. I see a lot of people commenting about on the live stream and they're right is Ryan Lindgren and his impact, you know, from his injury to return. That was such a tipping point and a positive matter for this Ranger club. Just like my, in my opinion, the Rangers don't win either without Lindgren. And he really helped balance things again with Fox because things just looked out of place. They, they mm-hmm. really did. You know who our best defenseman was this series? Keandre Miller. 100%. 100%. Keandre Miller, we have flipped a script on him so much in one year, mm-hmm. and there's yeah. nothing that I could be more proud and happy about. He's one yeah. of my favorite players on this team. This, like Heedle, these are defining moments. I know that Keandre did a lot in the second half of the season. Not so much Heedle, but this is what matters most at the end of the day. And this yeah. is your first taste, right? This is I, your I first don't taste for playoff who, hockey. I don't remember who said it. It was it was a former player, but uh, or was it maybe Mike Babcock? Um, some are 82-game players, and some are 16-game players. And this is the time of year where we find out who our 16 game players are. All you need is 16 wins. And look, I didn't expect the Rangers to go all the way and win this year. But I'm going to say something here. When we win the cup in a couple of years and the Rangers go down the Canyon of Heroes to celebrate winning the Stanley Cup, last night's game is going to come up a lot. Because last night's game is the start of, of something. You know, it's your first playoff series. And Joe Micheletti said it on the broadcast last night. Those three games in the qualifying round in 2020 were not playoffs. Those were games to get into the playoffs. Yes. This was the first playoff experience for a lot of our young kids. This was the first playoff experience as a ranger for guys like Strom, Panarin, uh, Truba. Um, and what happened last night coming back from yet another, you know, from again, being down, uh, in the game to then win it in overtime in a game seven at home, that is something that's going to come up in, uh, when, when, when the Rangers won in, in 1994, the moment that we all remember is the Metto goal and the Mark Messier guarantee. Um, I don't think there are moments necessarily in like the first two rounds that are very notable, you know, now 30 years later, almost 30 years later against the Islanders and the Penguins, uh, Islanders and the Capitals in 94. Um, but I think the 92 postseason for the Rangers is, is, is what, what helped shape them to win in 94 and what's happening this, this, this postseason what happened last night when the Rangers win a cup, last night's game is going to come up because that's going to be an integral part to to building that team that can eventually win it all. We 
came into the series with 593 playoff games combined on the team. 180 of those were shared between Braun and Kreider. The Penguins, 1500, almost 1,500 games experience coming into the series. You have Crosby, Latang, and Malkin with three rings. You have Genzel, Rust, and Carter with two rings. I think Dumoulin has won cups with the Penguins as well. Uh, yeah, doesn't he have at least one? I feel like he won yeah, at least I, one. Of those I think so. Here. I think so. Of course, Carter won his two rings with the LA Kings. Brian Boyle went to cup finals with the Rangers and the Lightning. Um, the Penguins have that, that playoff pedigree throughout the lineup. The Rangers have a little bit of it, but, you know, it's Kreider on the top line, then there's Goudreau in the bottom six, and, and that's basically it. And, and Justin Braun made it to a cup final. I always mix up the Sharks and the Predators in 2016. Oh, so, so do I. Who, who cares? Who ca- literally, who cares? <laughs> anyway, whichever one of those two years the Sharks made the final, Justin Braun was an integral part to that Sharks defense. Yep, and that uh, was Braun's prime. I, re- I remember and that series very Braun well. Braun Flasic was, uh, was, was a great, a great they were, they were the shit. part of that oh, team. Um, last night's winning game seven is going to come up in a lot of conversations years down the line. When we talk about the Rangers being a contender, when we talk about winning a cup, maybe two, hopefully three, um, this is going to be one of those games that we're going to that we're going to be recapping as the start of something special. And to continue that notion, you're 100% right because it's it's one thing when looking at this season as a whole, right? We've said it time and time again and I'll reiterate once more. This was the first season for the Rangers out of the rebuild/retool. This is under Gerard Gallant. This is under Chris Drury, new regime in that aspect. They It was had, also it was also the first season with 82 games. Yes, for a lot of these players. yeah, exactly. And we finally got to see them all blossom in a lot and see the growth of not just the youth on this club and what are expected to be a pivotal part of this team going forward over the next at minimum half day, decade, if not a full decade, but also the vets now still truly in their prime and help carry this team to the promised land. I don't expect it this year, but I do expect it hopefully in the near future, no less. And to see them all come together and to see the amount of adversity again, I, I simply can't get over the fact of how this series went and how, again, we, it was a roller coaster. It truly was. But no one, I mean, I'm sorry, but no one and their mother would have thought that the Rangers would have came back the way that they did after being down 3-1. That says so much about this team's character and how they are currently in line now for the years going forward. Yes, this series, that game seven, that along with this amazing season for the Rangers is all the the starting point of what should hopefully be some amazing Ranger hockey for the next years and years to come. And, you know, this doesn't denounce the fact that, look, anything can happen in playoffs. We know that until the Rangers are done, they have as good of a shot as anyone else when it comes to the cup. And my game, I hope so. No, of course, of course not. The Rangers get, if the Rangers get out of Carolina alive, I will be not just a little bit surprised, but I will be as ecstatic as anyone else, but just like this penguin series, they have to prove it. Right. So we'll see. And, I think now, Stephen, if you don't mind, do you have any final like true remarks on this series before we pivot and take a look at what the Rangers will be dealing with against, yes, the Carolina Rangers? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up the Penguins one more time. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. I think it's hilarious that the Penguins did not learn anything about the Helmut rule after what happened last year. Do you know what happened last year? 
Um, wait, with with the Rangers or way different team? I'm sorry. The Penguins played the Islanders last year in the playoffs. I don't remember off the top of my. I know the Islanders won that series, but I don't John, remember. Where. John Marino lost his helmet. Oh, really? And, okay. And he skated to the bench, and you know the, there was there were talks, and the Penguins reached out to the league and asked about it. They were informed a year ago with the what the whole helmet rule was, and they still messed it up. Look, uh, at the end of the day, um, the Rangers came back from a deficit three games in a row. All three were elimination games. Um, that shows great resilience. And if if the Rangers look, the key to beating Carolina is the the kids line. It, I hundred percent agree with you. If yep. you look at the Rangers in the regular season when we lost against the Hurricanes, that line wasn't really clicking yet. But now, if that line clicks, all of a sudden you have three lines that can score a goal for you. And this is something we didn't have. Even even in the Rangers' final game against Carolina in regular season, granted, we it's been proven time and time again that regular season performance doesn't mean much when it comes to playoffs. Rangers, again, won three or four against the Pens in the season this year. Uh, but going back to what you said, um, yeah, the Rangers, outside their final performance against Carolina where they lost, and the one game that they did win against them, that was just because it, Alexander Gurgiev, no one else, the Rangers didn't have the depth that they have right now, that they're exemplifying. And that doesn't denounce how amazing of a team Carolina is and by no means will I feel ashamed if the Rangers say lose this series and I don't know like even five or six games I'll be upset but I won't be too surprised you know what I mean like I know how good Carolina is no one should be shocked by that but this series as well not just with the young kids but home ice is really what I want to emphasize with you Stephen because as we know that Carolina Boston matchup that went seven that took every home game for that home team to win neither team won one game on the road they were blowout wins for the most part, both sides, regardless if you were in Boston or if you were in Carolina. Now I'm seeing, of course, people freaking out because if you don't reside in North Carolina, you cannot attend the game. You can't buy tickets. Now, something I want to say on this real quick is, one, this is not a surprise. Teams have been doing this for years now, not just the Predators are famous for it. Yes, and the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. I remember they've been very big on this. But what I really think is going to be awesome for the Rangers is the fact that a lot of New Yorkers reside in North Carolina. A lot of Ranger fans live in the area. Okay, they dominate every single. Let me let let's not get it twisted. You really think that every time this season, years past, when the Rangers are in Carolina, that it's a sea of blue because they're all coming straight from New York? I promise you that is not the case. That's because a lot of New Yorkers live in the area for work reasons. I have family that lives in the area and friends. Like that's not uncommon. So. Don't get me wrong. I can understand why some fans are upset by this, but one, this is normal. No one should be surprised. I, I most certainly am not. This is not a surprise to me. But two, we should still expect a good amount of Ranger fans. Maybe even hidden. I wouldn't be. Maybe we'll see some fans wearing a Canes jersey, then they flip it off and have a Rangers shirt under. Like who knows? I just that, know that none of this is surprising to me. That actually reminds me of a story, and, and some Ranger fans might might recollect uh, remember this. Years ago, um, the Islanders uh, played the, the Rangers on Long Island, and they had this, like, Santa contest. Anyone who dressed up as Santa Claus was allowed to go on the ice after the game. So a lot of people showed up, dressed up as Santa, and as they go onto the ice, there's, like, like 100 people taking off their Santa costume, and they're wearing a Ranger jersey on the Islanders' ring, on the, on the <laughs> ice, at the Coliseum. Um, 
Yeah, listen. Um, the Rangers won a seven-game series against one of the most experienced playoff teams at the moment in the NHL. And now we're going up against a team that hasn't won it yet. And they are at their they are at their I won't I don't know if I'd say they're at their peak, no. but damn are they close. Like but they the are pressure, right there. But the pressure is on them. The a hundred a hundred percent Steve. The Rangers are playing with house money. I said this after game seven. If we play seven games, anything after that for me is gravy. The Rangers have nothing to lose but game. Yeah. Carolina yeah. has everything to lose here. Everything imaginable. Yeah. It's a great point. Um I'm just going to enjoy every game. Oh, and how nice of the league to make at least one game, to give us at least one game with an earlier puck drop. Sunday's game is 3.30 Eastern. There you go. There you go. I mean, that, I mean that's that should be the case. Sunday games for most sports are that way. Like, I could give you an example for baseball, you know, not just for the Mets, but for most teams. It's usually a day game on Sunday. So that way people can enjoy the remainder of their Sunday and go to bed at respectful times because, you know, yeah. everyone works usually the next day. Yeah. So I'm going to have two friends coming over on Sunday to watch the game at my place. There you go. Love to hear it's that. It's 8.30 p.m. our time when the puck drops. So although it's ESPN, so it might be 9 p.m. by the time the puck drops. Oh, um, I got to tell you one quick story, and then and then everything you have to say, by all means, go ahead. First sure. of all, I want to thank everyone again that's been chiming in here in the live stream or listening to wherever you get your podcast or Rangers Review, episode 57. I saw a couple donations. One was from Yona and another gentleman. I'm going to try to find it real quick. I appreciate both your, both your donations. Thank you so much for that here on the channel. Big Apple Hockey, how's it going, Tom? That was the other $5 donation. Darren, great friend on the channel. Um, Let's see, Brody, all you guys. Appreciate everyone chiming in. But I did want to tell you, Stephen, my buddy Gavin, um, like childhood friend of mine, huge Ranger fan, He's one of the only Ranger fans that I've like grown up with, you know, at least through high school. Cause you know, especially living in Pennsylvania, yes, we have Ranger fans, but I didn't grow up with a lot of them as fellow friends. And he's always be overly emotional, like to the point where this guy, like you don't even want to be in his path when the Rangers were losing the way that they are. And literally after game one, he was a hundred percent certain that the Rangers series was done, that they were just completely done. He's like, they're not coming back here. I am always being the optimist saying they will come back. I assure you they win in game two. He's like, it doesn't matter. Then they get, absolutely pistol whipped and that we saw in the following uh game three and game four he's just he's done and he didn't watch either of those games um uh pardon me and then we get into game five and he said he's not watching and they win and i said good you are not allowed to watch game six and he's like okay doesn't watch game six good and then he's telling me i'm gonna watch game seven i'm i'm flipping out on this man i'm like gavin we are gonna lose this damn series because you're finally deciding to watch again don't do it he did it Thankfully, the, the the hockey gods were in our favor for this one, and he was like a kid in the candy shop. I've never seen him flip scripts the same way. I, I never would have thought I'd see the Rangers flip scripts in that series, bouncing back the way that they did. So, just wanted to yeah. share that with you because he's on cloud yeah. nine. I'm happy for everything. He went from being the most depressed guy in the world, to literally just like you. Anything happens, doesn't matter. He is going home happy at the end of the day. Look, um, over the last 10, 15 years, I've seen the Rangers come back in series so many times. You know. It happened against the Senators and uh, and the Capitals in 2012. Um, they went seven games against the Capitals in 2013 in the first round. 2015, um, you know, you, uh, you down 3-1 against the Capitals. 2014, down 3-1 against the Penguins. It's just, I've, I've seen it happen so many times. I, I don't give up when the Rangers are down because anything can happen. Honestly, 
I'm more confident in this team coming back from being down two goals than I am in in them defending a two goal lead. Yeah, yeah, point. no, I I'm I don't trust this team with a two goal lead at all. Like no. literally at all. No, no, they, they are they are they were called you know like the resilient club this year for a reason. Why? Yeah. Because they were always coming back. God forbid this team gets off to early like two or three goal lead. You you're just yeah. you're biting your tongue because you know it's only going to last for a certain amount of time. Yeah, no, but uh, I was talking to uh, to uh, to someone on Twitter uh, last night. Uh, he watched the game with his son, I think like 11 or 12 years old. And he's like, yeah, he was too young when the Rangers had that cup run in 2014. So this is like his first experience where he actually is invested in the Rangers. He actually understands the implications of when I know that feeling. Goal, yep. or, so you know? um, and we had a, a lovely conversation about how for for his son this is his first experience you know it's his first his, it's his first experience with playoff hockey as a rangers fan and he's gonna have those memories forever yeah and for us a series like 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 this and a game seven win like last night brings back memories of previous series you know it's you all you couldn't have said it better steven it's all connected it, it really it back. makes you emotional it really does. Yeah, it, yeah, it brings it brings me back to the nights when I still lived in The Hague in the Netherlands, where the Rangers had that cup run in 2014, where uh, the first game of the playoffs, I bought two bottles of wine at the liquor store around the corner, and I gave the bottle to both my neighbors left and right of my apartment, um, and apologized in advance if you know if they maybe uh, wake up because of my screaming in the middle of the night. Uh, I had to explain why there was screaming, but you know it's sports related, so it was all good. Uh, <laughs> and and the Rangers won, um, so I made that a tradition. I think I bought forty bottles of wine that postseason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had forty or fifty bottles of wine, and uh, you know it's crazy how superstitions work. Yeah, and a series like like the one we just went through brought back those memories. You know. I relocated to to two different countries since the last time the Rangers were in the playoffs in 2017. Yeah, you know, I, I I never got to experience this while I was living in Austria for the last four years. But now going through this, you know, watching Game Seven, watching the Rangers win a Game Seven, you know, for me, for a lot of kids, this is their first experience, and for people that are that are our age and people that are older than us. It's it's just another experience, and it brings back memories to those old series. And there are people who who go back all the way to like 1979 and 1972, you know, when the Rangers had deep runs, and they go, oh yeah, no, this reminds me really of that game in like 1970, whatever. And I'm like, that's the beauty of it, you know, because it all it's all, it's all connected, and we all have different memories, and we all make different connections between those memories, and that's the beauty of it. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I got, I have to be completely honest, especially with how my way of life um, and things I have to commit to on a daily has changed over the past couple of years. Yeah, I've been, I've been dying to get a certain level of emotion back with this team. You know, I followed them all throughout the year, of course, like a normal diehard fan, but I, I've been, I've been dying to get that feeling that I had back when I was younger and really like first experienced those playoff runs. And maybe it was because of the fact that we have been without playoff hockey for you know, five years now, right? It's been a while. It hasn't felt like it, but it really has. Um, so me being spoiled and growing up with playoff hockey, 
uh, I was I was you know living and dying with you know each 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 um period as it happened, and things changed a lot over that time. But especially with this series, it brought it brought back like old me in that sense. It really mm. just made me it just made me remember just how special not just this team is the organization. But overall, just that feeling of being all in on playoff hockey. It's there's not there's nothing better. It's just it's so it's so hard mm-hmm. to explain, but we all get those emotions. We all get those feelings back to our first moments. And they they always stick with you. And this series stuck with me as well. It was very important for me. You know, this was my my brother just got married over the weekend, right? So this was a tremendous, you know, series, not just be based on the Rangers' performance and coming back. But also everything that was happening in between. So it's it's these are memories that I will always carry on forever. And I'm just very grateful that I was able to witness and be a part of this Ranger fandom at this time. And you know, hopefully, hopefully the fun memories don't stop this year. But we'll see. Yeah, uh, but you know, yeah, it's just it's we're we're building on this, and you know, we're we're if if it's not going to be this year, we're going to have new memories next year, and. The Rangers are now getting in that in that next phase where you go from now we actually go from rebuilding to building, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's building now, and the biggest takeaway now is, regardless on the results of this this series, the kids have, the kids prove themselves. Like, how did mm-hmm. they not? Like, they they prove themselves yeah. that they can take that next step. You know, and I will say that, especially with Heedle, and I know it's crazy that Heedle's one of the longest tenured New York Rangers. It'll never feel that way, even though that he is. But for him to take the strides that he did, I think has to be one of, if not the biggest takeaway from what we've seen so far, just because he's a guy that has been filled with this uncertainty now. And don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that he's completely off the hook of what his future will be with the Rangers, given everyone that, of course, they have to assess in the offseason that we're not going to talk about today. So don't even try asking me, guys. We're not doing it. We're talking about playoff hockey. But point again is that Heedle, along with Kako, Laugh, Key, Schneider, all these young kids, the guys that are your foundation, the guys that you should be, that we all should be following for quite literally the next decade, they all, they all, they're all stepping up. Like they, mm-hmm. they all have me feeling damn good about them heading into next season and the year beyond. This is what this is the most important time of any time as a hockey player to be showing out. So to see kids having career high moments at this point, damn that does that feel good. It feels yeah. truly electric. By the way, um what do Mika Zibanejad, Adam Fox, Chris Kreider, Andrew Kopp and Artemi Panarin have in common in this playoff series? All having game winning goals. Okay, then what? Uh, they're all at least a point per game. Oh, that's good. I like that. It's it, Panarin. It's it's crazy that Breadman. I know. I know. I never I know. thought. Where was this? Same thing with Mika. Like you, you would you would be looking on a carton of milk through the first four games. Like I'm sorry, this man's been missing. Like what? I don't understand. Like that's that's in, absurd. <laughs> that's actually um, crazy. In a seven game series against the Penguins, Mika Zibanejad had 11 points. Adam Fox had 10, and Kreider, Kopp, and Panarin had 7. Exactly what you want from your top players. Mm-hmm. And Panarin, and then- again, I've been thinking Panarin's been playing with an injury. I think he is. I, I don't know what. I know that he said post-game that, you know, the Rangers, his team, they've been wanting him to shoot, and that's mm-hmm. like shame on him for not doing it enough. Yeah. But regardless, I, I've seen people happy that trying to shoot now. I've seen people complain about Panarin that he's not a playoff performer in this. And no, that. no, no, no. That's bullshit. Did you not watch his series against Tampa? 
Like, <laughs> I was going to say, like, this is a guy that carried the Columbus Blue Jackets in two consecutive postseasons on his they back. They swept Tampa when they had the best season, like, imaginable. I know. Kucherov had, like, 120 points that year. Panarin, Panarin is a playoff performer. Uh, don't don't even get me started with that. Yeah, with that's that's just you're anyone that's acting that way. One isn't paying attention, has not been truly following along, or two just mm-hmm. acting completely emotional in the moment. And I get it, people do that. Don't get me wrong, I'm well aware, but still, just, just and you know, you know, look with Zibanejad and Kreider stepping up the last couple of games, and also Vitrano getting five points in seven games. Let's let's not let's not forget about him. You know, he's 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 the uh, the the lowest. Uh, scoring player on that line, but still five points in seven games. Um, that line has 23 points in seven games. With them producing, it takes a little bit of a, a little bit of focus off Panarin and and uh, Stroman Cop. Yeah, because now, now you cannot afford to let that top line uh, get away with something. You know, mm-hmm. you go up against Carolina now and. I think the big difference between Carolina and Pittsburgh for the Rangers is uh, center depth. I think going up against a team that has Crosby, Malkin, Carter, and uh, Blugers, um, that's probably the, the best depth at center that you're going to face in the playoffs in terms of experience. Um, and now you're going up against the Carolina Hurricanes team that probably has more depth. But... I, I can see opportunities. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. I'm not. I'm not guaranteeing the Rangers to win, but it's also it's the Carolina Hurricanes are not that good that before the puck drops you can say that we don't have a chance. And yeah. the Bruins have shown that the Hurricanes can be beaten. And yep. look, Shostakin is not going to be as bad as he was against the Penguins. You know, he had a bad series, and we still pulled through. Um, what's important for the Rangers is, uh, you know, to just build on what they've done now. And let's also not forget that they finally got some structure on defense because Gallant actually did it. Gallant actually made the decision that he should have made in October. It's better, it's better late than never, right, Stephen? Better late than never. But Justin Braun in the lineup over Patrick Nemeth, uh, has been great. Um, and remember when the Rangers went 11 forward, seven defensemen, when Lindgren was back in the lineup? Yes, I'm well aware. Did you know what happened when Lindgren went to the locker room? Lindgren went to the locker room and Nemeth was a seventh defenseman. Not even in that situation, Galan played Nemeth. Yeah, yep. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So. Look, we most of the season we've been looking at players like Hayek, Tenorti, Nemeth, McKegg, Gautier, um, uh, Brodzinski, Greco, and nothing against these players, but the moves we made at the deadline were moves that that solidified this team. Yeah, this In- team is nowhere where they are right now without these acquisitions. It's as simple as that. And you know who Justin Braun reminds me of? And I think I mentioned this guy last week. Um, Justin Braun reminds me of, in my opinion, the best six defenseman I've ever seen on the Rangers, Steve Eminger. Mm, yes. Steve Eminger never really, you never really noticed him, but for some defenseman, that's a good thing. 
And Justin Braun is the same way. Um, Justin Braun is not a player you notice on the ice because he just does what he needs to do. And then he doesn't get, he doesn't get too cute with the puck. You know, he doesn't get too, too physical and puts himself out of position. He plays a very solid defensive game, very under the radar. Same, same with Steve Eminger. Um, and I think that experience, you know, there, there's having experience and then there's having experience and still being a good hockey player. And Justin Braun brings experience and talent to the team. So I'm, I'm very happy with the lineup decisions that Gallant made in the last two games. Um, and I cannot wait for game one on Wednesday. Do we really have to wait until Wednesday? I know, I know. It'll again. It's bittersweet, though. It'll be it'll be a long wait, but it'll be here before we know it. Um, couple. On the other hand, I think Ranger fans also need a couple of days to recover. Like, like you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Let's let's you know. Not that you shouldn't calm down from the high that is, you know, this this game seven victory. No, but it's it's nice to have a couple of days where your heart rate can 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 settle a uh, bit. But but you can also have more time to marinate this victory and just the comeback yes. of this series. Because let's say, for example, that the Rangers played right away, you know, tonight, right? And say say they get absolutely blown out by Carolina, that completely yeah. takes all. It puts a, such a sour taste into what you just did prior. So it's yeah. good that they have this quick break, but. A couple of things I want to mention quick, and I know that you have a quick prospect update. We can get to that in a second. Um, one thing I want to say in the Carolina series, and then when we get to the Q&A segment, I saw some donations. We will be addressing them more. Um, we'll be doing Q&A for around 10, 10 or so minutes, answering whatever comments, concerns you guys have. Please, all I ask is that when we do get that get to that point here in the show, which is not yet soon, that we just focus strictly on playoffs. Okay, Like I said, any offseason talk, I'm not going to acknowledge it just because that's all we're going to be talking about as soon as the Rangers are eliminated for quite literally months on end. So the least we can do is pump the brakes on those discussions for when the time is right. Um, But talking about Carolina, this is fun because again, this is the Carolina Rangers. You know what I mean? Like I'm the amount of booze that I know are inevitable when Tony makes his return to MSG for playoff time, the same way that Tony was targeting the Boston series. But let's not forget Tony absolutely torched Boston in that round one. He was simply phenomenal. He he was he balled out for Carolina, as did that we've seen from plenty other former Rangers. But Tony has been their X factor with that puck moving defenseman that he is. But when you have Tony, you have of course yes for fast. You all, I just I'm waiting for the inevitable like game winning goal in one of these games by Jesper. It's 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 destined to happen. It feels like not that I wish it. I'm just saying I'm I'm bracing myself for what feels inevitable. Truly. Derek Stepan, of course, even though he's on that fourth line, Brady Shea with Pesci. I mean, even Brendan Smith. Like, this is going to be crazy. And the, the thing about all these former Rangers is that a good portion of them, at least, they 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 have a good grasp of this team. And they know the atmosphere. They understand MSG well. And that is going to help favor the likes of Carolina in this, mm-hmm. in this matchup. And I, my question to you, Stephen, is – how much of an impact do you expect these former Rangers to have in this series? Like, do you think that their impact is going to be so prominent that it really is a, say the biggest X factor in either them winning or losing? I think of, the Ronta, four, of course, can't forget about him. Sorry to cut you I off. I think of the former Rangers, the one that's going to make the biggest impact is Jesper Faust. Okay. Um, D'Angelo, I think they can contain because he's, I mean, he's good, but defensively he's a black hole. Um, but I don't know if anyone has realized this, but does, do, do you guys remember that trade that Gordon made in 2017, uh, with the Arizona coyotes prior Involving to the, 
the uh, the the New York Rangers traded Derek Stepan. Yeah, yeah, the anti Ronsa trade. Yeah, two now they're together for seventh overall and Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, the three players involved in that trade are now on the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, yeah, we we didn't even mention that during the year. That's actually yeah. I'm surprised we didn't do that. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah, um, I think Brendan Smith might be might be an unsung hero on that team. Um, I still think we should have kept him. Um, and I think Brady Shea in the right role can really thrive. And Brady Shea in Carolina has other defensemen that you know do the dirty work that take on those tough matchups. Jacob Slavin is one of the most he's, underrated defensemen. He's still, so he's so him and Pesci are again just so good. So unbelievably, good. I would I would give up a lot to get Jacob Slavin on my team. Because I would. If there's one thing the Rangers still lack, it's it's it's, or the one thing the Rangers still need to improve is the fact that we're bleeding shots. Um, I would I would I would zone in on him more, yeah. basically nine out of ten times of the week, like doing that yeah. over Jacob Chitron. Uh, Chitron, Chitron yeah. is a really good one, but yeah, Slavin I, that con that contract is just a beauty. Um, they're so good with their bargain deals. Yeah. Um, but look, the Rangers just give up too many shots. And it was evident again last night. Yeah, the fifth team in NHL history to allow at least 45 shots on goal in a game seven at home. Wow. It's just, it, it's just, it's always the same thing. So, yeah, Slavin is a guy that, that, that I'm really a big fan of. Uh, but that forward core, man, it's, it's, and and this is where the Rangers really need to need to manage their matchups. And this is where home ice advantage really matters. Because a lot of fans think home ice advantage is the just your fans in the stands. No, the biggest thing with home ice advantage is that you have the last change for faceoffs. Yep. You know, the the uh, visiting coach has to put his line out first, and then the home the home team's coach can then respond to that. The Carolina Hurricanes. Let me let me quickly uh, uh, look up their their lineup just to go over because we're doing like a like a Carolina Hurricanes. Here I can I can tell you right, I have it right in front of me their lines if you want. Uh, to know. I, I, no, no, I have, I have it here too. Okay. Don't, don't worry. Um, so the Carolina Hurricanes, of course, that top line: Svechnikov, Aho, uh, and Jarvis is with them now. Yep. Um, Seth Jarvis is a dangerous guy. Yeah, he was, he was such a good. I mean, when they picked him up in the draft, I was like, damn, they just got themselves a, yeah. like a bona fide goal scorer right away. Mm -hmm. But if you look at those four lines, this reminds me of the 2014 New York Rangers. All those four lines can score goals. You have Svechnikov, Aho, Jarvis. They have Teravine and Trocek, Nechas. That's your second line. Niederreiters, Jordan Stahl, and Jesper Fast on the third line. And your fourth line is Kotkaniemi, Stepan, and Domi. Um, and you, you still have Martinuk that I don't know, is Martinuk injured or, um, let me tell you, hold on, uh, hold on. But if the games get a little tight, then they'll probably put Martinuk in there instead of maybe. Yeah. I, I think he's healthy. It just looks like he's a healthy scratch. I'm looking through okay. daily face off. So I yeah. know that the injuries they have right now are Jake Gardner, obviously. And Freddie, and do we know how much longer Anderson's out for? They said that he might be back for the second round, so okay. um, we'll see. Probably at some point. Yeah, but um, look, th this is this is a dangerous team that has, like, like I said, the Penguins are top heavy. The Carolina Hurricanes have the depth to kill you. Um, it's all about the matchups. It's all about finding the right matchups and.
and countering the intensity that they throw out there because this team knows how to play. And one thing that we might forget, the Carolina Hurricanes were in the conference final in 2019 when we were drafting second overall. You know, at the start of our rebuild, this team was already in, in the, uh, was already reaching the final four. Yep. So this team has the experience. You know, they've 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 been to the conference final before. They just need to get over that hump. But I like our chances because the pressure is on them. You know, the Rangers are the underdog. No one's expecting anything of us. You know That's what this word. is giving me vibes of a little bit, if I'm being honest with you? What? This this is giving me vibes of the Ottawa Senators in 2017 against our New York Rangers. Granted, the New York Rangers were at the tail end of that run, but mm-hmm. the point is, is that that was an Ottawa team that, again, just exceeded expectations on all fronts from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, true. It's a good point. Um yeah, I'm just looking forward to the series. Um, and those former Rangers, I I, I hope we're not going to hear too much about it because there's so much more to it. Oh, we will. I mean, all all everyone is going to do on, on social media is focus about Tony because he stays living rent-free in everyone's heads. It's actually yeah. it's actually ridiculous how much he has. Like, I'm sorry. I like I I don't I'm I'm not that way with him. I don't I don't love the guy, obviously, but I mean, my goodness gracious, people, people like God forbid, if this guy balls out in any of the games, people are literally going to have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sit here saying, yeah, I'm not surprised. He's been quite literally a point-per-game defenseman for Carolina yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, look, it's going to be a fun series. Um, I'm really looking forward to the uh, Brady Shea, Braden Schneider comparisons. Yeah, that's good. Yep. For sure. Um, and I was talking to uh, I was talking to people after the game last night. The last two times the Rangers traded up in the first round in the draft, they they picked Keandre Miller and Braden Schneider. And look at the impact they're already having. I know. That's 2018 and 2020, you know? That's that's actually, that's, oh my God, that's actually nuts to think about. Literally, like, in hindsight, Schneider could be in Carolina right now with them. Like, mm-hmm. that's really what they could be doing. And yeah. don't get me wrong, Shea hasn't been absolutely terrible. He's been he's been rock solid for them at times, but... I got to be honest, if, I'm, if I want someone that has an upside the way that Schneider has, I mean, I, I think it's night and day. Like, I feel no, I feel that Shea truly hit his peak very early in his career. It's like there's a advantage at Brassard trade. You know, the Brassard trade made a lot of sense for the Senators in 2016. At the time. Because yeah. they needed a playoff performer, and Zibanejad wasn't there yet. And they didn't have the time to wait for him to grow into one mm-hmm. because they had to capitalize on – Guys like Hoffman and Carlson and Stone, um, all being in their prime, and I'm pretty sure I'm 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 forgetting some. Uh, Ryan Dzingel was there too. Uh, yeah, he was a dud. Oh, he just, he fell off cliff real quick. Was after that his break yeah. year? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they had they had to do something. You know, they had to go. They had to go for it. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes in 2020 didn't really have the time to wait for a defenseman to grow into something. You know, they, they lost Justin Falk to the, to the St. Louis Blues. They needed a reliable defenseman with NHL experience. They gave up a first-round pick, and the Carolina Hurricanes can afford to because the Carolina Hurricanes are a team that drafts really well in the later rounds anyway. Um, yeah. So they get Brady Shea, and we trade up and get Braden Schneider. It's... Uh, it's that that's that's one of those trades where I can see I can see the reasoning behind it for both teams. 
percent. Um, okay, so Stephen, why don't you give us a very quick prospect update if you don't mind, and then we'll shift into answering some questions, shall we? Sure. Um, okay. so the Rangers about two hours ago tweeted, so it's now official Ryder Korzak, Adam Edstrom, and Olaf Lindbaum signed their entry level contracts. Um, I don't have an Olaf Lindbaum jersey, otherwise, I would have put up uh, that one as well. Um, but Adam, I would, Edstrom, I would recommend not doing that just because yeah. there has been an unfortunate trend with the jerseys you acquire of, of young Rangers who starting with too soon because I acquire mo- most of them and not all of them pan out, you know, it's just it's a, number, <laughs> it's a numbers game, yeah. You know, as a baseball fan, you should understand that. Oh, all, all, all I do is look at numbers every single day, um, <laughs> but yeah, Adam Edstrom, uh, 6'8, 225. Um, that guy is going to surprise some people. Um, uh, he, he's probably going to start in Hartford. Um, then there's another Swedish player that the Rangers are linked to. It's not official yet. Um, but Gustav Riedal, who plays for Feistad in the SHL, a 27-year-old center, uh, undrafted free agent. Um, he won the SHL championship with his team and now goes to the world championships with uh, Sweden. Um, so they will probably announce it after the world championships are over. Um, is this a, I, like Vili, uh, Meskinen situation? Like it's, it's sort of like a Meskinen, Stromwall, Michael Lindquist situation where okay. you give a contract to a guy who does well in Europe and worst case scenario, it doesn't work out and they go back to Sweden. Yep. Um, it's a, it's a no risk signing. Um, so yeah, those, the other three signed our entry level deals, of course, draft picks that we know Lindbaum second round pick in 2018, Edstrom sixth round pick in 2019 and, uh, Korzak third round pick in 2021. Um, Korzak now eliminated from the playoffs in the WHL. They lost to the Winnipeg ice, one of the best teams in junior hockey at the moment. Um, so in the WHL, Dylan Garand has advanced to the conference final with the Kamloops Blazers. Awesome. Uh, Matt, Matt Rempe and the Seattle Thunderbirds are down 3-2 in the series against Portland. If they advance, they play Dylan Garand uh, in the conference finals. And then in the Ontario Hockey League, we have a conference finals matchup between Will Cooley and Brennan Hoffman. That's going to be fun. <laughs> hopefully hopefully, Will doesn't, doesn't get too... Um, too aggressive with Othman on the other side of the ice. We need to make sure both those boys are healthy. Uh, these two kids played each other earlier in the season, in the regular season, and in that game, they both scored a hat trick. So I'm excited. Ooh, okay. I mean, yeah. let, let them both thrive by all yeah. means. I can yeah. care less who wins. Just let's see them both thrive, um, right? But I quickly want to touch on what Othman did in the second round because this is unbelievable. Go for it. Um, the Flint Firebirds beat the Sioux Greyhounds in five games. Wow. And in those five games, Othman had 12 points. So picking up right where he left off in the regular season, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the first round he was, he was, I don't want to say quiet. And he was still close, uh, close to a point per game. But this second round, he's really taken off. That's, that's, uh, that's great to hear. I mean, yeah. it, I, he blew in similarities to Kreider's breakout year Offman really blew me away with how just he he just took a level that I didn't I got to be quite honest with you and granted I know that you've been following Offman far more intensely than I have but since the Rangers acquired him in the first round not long ago I did not think that he would already be at this level like he has taken a significant jump in a short period of time yeah 
Yeah, so in the uh, in the final game where the Flint Firebirds uh, won the series, he put up three assists. Awesome. Uh, four goals and eight assists in five games for Hoffman. It's Not just, too shabby, if I do say so myself. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. And, um, yeah, it's going to be fun, you know, watching Cooley and Hoffman go go uh, go up against each other. Um, yeah, it's just it's fun to watch these these kids get, get like, good playoff experience even if it's in juniors yep um yeah and other, other than that uh do we have any other prospect updates um adam huska is playing in the world championships for slovakia at the moment awesome so good. if people have nothing to do and they want to tune in uh he's their goaltender in the in the tournament um not a lot of ranger players active there of course because we are in the playoffs yeah, uh, not like recent years where, you know, you could tune in for five or six different players. Um, but if you ask me, I prefer playoff hockey. So just, just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. Lethal. A lethal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, okay. Here, so, yeah. before yeah. we get into um ant- answer, we're going to be doing Q&A for like 10 minutes or so, folks, and then we'll wrap up today's show. I'm going to like everyone to know now, again, I'll say at the end of the pod, but Next time I see that Steve and I record will be a week from now. I figure next Monday that'll be after two games for the Rangers uh, after they went through two, at least in this series, right? Uh, three, game- three games. Three? They play, Wait. they play Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Wednesday, Friday. Ooh, okay. Hmm. I'm trying to so, think. Yeah, I, I would I would say Monday's still probably best because I will be out of town this yeah. Saturday all day. So I will not be able to record that. So day. we'll record after game three. Yeah, that's fine. And that'll give us, I think, a good taste on, you know, hopefully. I mean, actually, who knows? I shouldn't even say that because after three games and three, let alone four, I thought if, if, the reason why Steve and I did not record after another two games in the Penn series, you know, we were planning to do every two. The reason why we didn't do it after game four was because it would just been us screaming doom and gloom that, okay, this really looks like th- this is it. And rightfully so. We had no reason to believe otherwise yeah. whatsoever from that game four performance. So, and in hindsight, it's it's probably a good thing that we're not doing it after every two games. But a couple donations I would like to address quick. One is from Davis. Thank you. Davis has been a great supporter on the, on the channel here on Rangers Review. Is there any chance the Rangers will tighten up the defense next series to give Igor some help? It is just me, or am I just seeing too much? Trouble? No, you're 100% right. I mean, look, Igor definitely wasn't spot on this series in every game by any stretch, but he also got hunt out to dry so much in the beginning of the series, like beyond belief. And the Rangers' defense has still struggled to look sharp at times. So, Stephen, what would be your best way of responding to this? I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's not gonna be easy. You're going up against a better team. Um, you're gonna have to look. Defense is is not just the two guys on the blue line. Defense is played by all five skaters. And I think that's that's the key here. Getting Tyler Mott back is huge for the oh fourth my, line. Such a big X factor. Um, but you know. Watching Tyler Mott with Zabanajan and Kreider, I was actually kind of kind of excited about that. You know, I was, I, I was digging it too, a little bit more than I think I. I, 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 I think the biggest the biggest problem with our defense is that, especially that Zabanajan line doesn't really have the defensive awareness. You know, don't get me wrong. You know, Kreider gets his goals, and Zabanajan, when when he's on his game, he's a top five center in the world. 
Yep. And Vitrano pots his goals here or there. You know, he's a jitterbug. He's fast. He skates back and forth. But they're missing that that two-way player there. They're they're missing quite literally a Jesper Fast type, if we're being honest. Yes. Yeah. Jesper Fast. Uh, I think, honestly, I think Capo Caco can turn into that player. I, oh, Capo, I mean, Capo has all the makings of a phenomenal two-way winner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Capo Caco. Um, it reminds me a little bit of another Finnish winger. Uh, the last winger to win the Selkie. Do you know who it is? Last winner to win the Selkie. What year was that? Uh, late 90s, early 2000s, I think. Hmm. Late 90s, and he's Finnish. Yeah. Uh, if if oh. if the Finnish guys are in the chat, they, they, they might no, know. No, I'm not looking at the chat. I want, I want, to, I want to get this. I okay. Pro- okay. Um. Played for the Dallas Stars. Okay. Ooh, ooh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, shoot, 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 shoot. It's it's right there. It's gonna piss me off now. Um, he was playing with Madonna, right? Yes. Oh my God, I'm right there. Ah. Uh, oh no 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 no. Okay, give me give me the first letter of the last name. L. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be able. To, is it is it something with the N in? Yeah, yeah, Latinan. There you go. I, I knew. I knew. There you go. I knew it was. It was yeah. right. It was right there. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, Latinan also played for TPS in Finland. So of course you know, he did. Good. Good. Um, yeah. no, I'm not going to say that. I'm. I'm not saying that Kako is going to win a selfie, but. He's he's defensively responsible, and I think that the Zabanjad line needs something there. And to answer Davis' question, uh, they they need some more balance uh, uh, defensively from their forwards. I think that Panarin line. I think Andrew Kopp does a really good job defensively. I think that's fine. The third line has Kako. I'm happy with that. The fourth line has Mott um, and 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 Rooney. Um, the problem is if you put Mott on the top line, who are you gonna who are you gonna put on the fourth? You know, are you really gonna move Frank? I mean, you have to. The only way to justify is that you put Frankie to the fourth. I I don't think you touch the kid line unless it gets absolutely worked early on in the Carolina series. Now, should that happen, then I say okay, it's rightfully justified to mix things up. Yeah, I would I would I would at least at the very least consider putting Mott on that line for the defensive zone faceoff. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it just because of the fact that if you put Frankie on that fourth line, yes, it's not as gritty of a line that you had with Mott, but it does give you an entirely heavier speed element outside of Rooney. That definitely could benefit things based on uh, what is still going to be a pretty speedy fourth line for Carolina, led by Kakinyemi and Domi and Stepan, again, not known for his wheels, but by all means, he's not a slouch either. So yeah. I, I do think that there actually is potential there to putting Frankie there as long as Mott doesn't just completely change his game. If he gets an extended amount of time there with, uh, um, pardon me with Kreider and Zbanjad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting to see what's going to happen there, but, uh, yeah, we, we need, we need, we need a little bit more from, uh, from the forwards there. Agreed. Um, now big apple hockey, great friends on the channel. They're doing amazing things over on theirs as well. Make sure to check them out. Big friends. Thank you guys so much for the donation. Um, let's keep this NYR train going. Absolutely. LGM and LGR. Let's go, Justin. One hundred percent. And speaking of the Mets, for a quick second, that has to, that has to be Mark, by the way. The, 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 the Let's go, Justin reference. Do you do you know what that's about? 
I, I'm missing out on that inside joke. So enlighten uh, me. So, so Mark, uh, Mark, lovely guy. Don't get me wrong, but uh, he 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 struggles sometimes with names, and <laughs> he he, w- he called Huberto Justin Huberto. So oh, that'll name. do it. And it's become a it's become a running gag now, where you know Justin is now part of the broadcast, and so <laughs> anyway, we, we, we do. I like Mark. That. Yeah, appreciate the donation again and LGM. And what I want to say was not to toot my own horn, not that, you know, not that it wasn't the sole factor, but there, there's something to be said about the Rangers winning game seven with a large contingency of New York Rangers and uh, New York Mets in attendance. Keep, say That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. It didn't hurt to have my Mets there and they were all pounding beers. That was great to see. I was, I was, my, my, whenever my worlds collide, it was like last year, um, Francisco Endor and the Mets shortstop and Adam Fox met each other at city field and exchange jerseys. I mean, that, that was peak. That was like me at my, at my best. Quite Speaking of the map, Tyler, did you watch uh, frequency? Yeah. Fre- no, I didn't Steve. I'm sorry. I've been so busy. I will watch it. I promise you. Okay. I okay. promise you. I'll watch it. I know. Okay. I know. I know. I don't, you don't got to tell me twice. I'm well aware. Same way that I told you what, what movie did I tell you off air that I wanted you to watch shit? Was it, um, it, it what, cannot be a really good movie because you cannot even remember which movie it was. No, no, no. Was it major league? Have you seen major league? No. You, th- there you go. Have you seen Sandlot? No. Okay. There you go. Um, you've seen Moneyball. Yes. Okay. Uh, you haven't seen major league. Moneyball is okay. It's not Moneyball is a good movie. It just doesn't live up to the hype in my opinion. I think there's a lack of understanding there on your part, if I'm being completely No, honest. no, I, I, I get it. It's a good movie, and I like the concept of the movie. But I think, I think, and this is what a friend of mine told me, uh, the problem with Moneyball is that they don't really go over, you know, they, they, make, it, they make it look like the Oakland, uh, Oakland A's were the worst team in baseball, and they only got so far because of analytics but it wasn't it wasn't that bad i mean the oakland a's uh we'll we'll, we'll talk off air about this i, I don't yeah. want i don't want i don't want people yeah. working this is not a baseball podcast i'm not trying to get nope. into this nope. but nope. Let, let's just say I, there are more things on that movie and the overall a's organization that i need to inform you on that i think will help um, a little bit that maybe you're not all right um but okay let me let's address a couple more comments before we wrap things up here uh let's see um <clears throat> Okay, now, Joe, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. This is a good question, though. How did the kids do defensively metrics-wise? Because it seemed like every time they were on the ice, they were sprinting into offensive zone opportunities. Uh, oh, oh, I I can quickly look that up. I think I saw someone tweet that uh, today or yesterday. Hold on. Um, um, Let me see. Uh, nope. Oh my goodness. Someone in the chat says Moneyball is a one time watch. Oh my goodness. That's right? <laughs> no, not that bad. It's, Stop it's a movie it. you can watch more than once. Stop Come it. On. Stop it. Stop the count. It's a movie where you where you can at least convince your girlfriend to watch because Brett Pitt's in it. 
Yeah, no, that that's that's a phenomenal point. Yeah, uh, no, I, have I, no I, the numbers wise though, she would. I would really, I would need to break things down to a T for her. That that would I think, be. I think I think my fiance will, will will be fine with those numbers. She's she's yeah. as crazy on sports as I am. So, quite if, um, she, if she struggled, I would say there's a concern. If I'm being honest, because I expect a lot from her. Are you saying I have to watch Moneyball with her before we get married? Yeah, I think so. She'll probably inform you more than you've been self-informed on the, on the movie. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I'm struggling to find, but what I remember is that the uh, uh, up to like game four, game five, the lottery line, as I saw people call it. Uh, which is a great, like, which is a great name, I will say. It's a great, it's a great name. Um, I think they were like 72% um in 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 course in coursey percentage so they get out of out of all the shots on goal for both teams combined when they're on the ice they, the rangers get 70 percent of the shots when they're on the ice so the kids line is uh is doing well defensively they're they're, they're taking away scoring chances yeah of course there were instances where they got pinned down in the zone by crosby but every line got pinned down in the zone by crosby this series yeah. Um I'm just happy with I'm just happy Heedle finally finally took that next step. Heedle yesterday, I think early on the first two periods, Heedle was our best player. Oh, he, I mean he hundred percent was. He looks he yeah, looked electric yeah. for them. I was so I yeah. was jaw dropped by how I saw Heedle in this series, to be quite frank. Yeah. Okay. I see we'll address like two more before we wrap things up, folks. What is the Rangers game plan against Ajo, who NYR had some issues with during the season? Um, I think, granted, I don't know exactly what their game plan is going to be, but I think the Rangers need to adopt a similar game plan in the sense of how they started the Penn series, and then they went away from it drastically, was to really jump on them with their aggression, right? Mm -hmm. This is a team that just came out of a seven-game set against Boston. That's no easy task. And you need to continue to grind these out, these teams out early. If you can do that, that can benefit you a lot. It won't be as easy because, again, this is a young, vibrant, up-and-coming still Carolina team that is, by all means, younger and faster than what we saw with the Pittsburgh Penguins. However, it doesn't change the notion that what do you want to do? You want to try to slow them down the best you can and as fast yeah. as you can. And when looking especially at Ajo, that's going to come down to the top line versus top line. You know, they we need to see Mika – continue to do his best to lock down like he did with Crosby there in game seven. He's seen one face-offs and we need to see them be on the same exact par as Carolina's top performers are. That's the only way this Ranger team truly has a chance, yeah. not just offensively, but they need to make sure that they know how to properly forecheck and back check. If they are not up to that, then we are boy, oh boy, are we going to be screwed before we know it? Yeah. I, I just need to manage out to, to, to build on game seven, you know, yeah. that 72% face off percentage. Um, if he can, if he can be above 50% for every game against the hurricanes and he goes up against that top line, I know, I know people say, Oh, uh, uh, face offs aren't that important. Yes, they are. You know, they, 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 they dictate the flow of the game. The first 10 seconds after the face off, it's all about momentum. Um, I think Aho is definitely their most dangerous player. I know Sveshnikov is a really good player, but Aho is Aho is so underrated. He's Aho is the most dynamic, I would say. Yeah. Um, I think I think I I'm more comfortable putting Andrew Cup up against Aho, especially on faceoffs. Yep. 
um, play Strom as a winger on that line, or at least have you can play Strom as the center, but let Cop take the take the draws. Yeah, I mean, um, anytime that you have an opportunity to have Cop being the faceoff dot, you need to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just, I, I, th- I think we can, I think we can win this, but it's going to be tough. You know, you're going up against a team that, in my book, is the front runner for the cup this year. You have them ahead of the Avs. Yep. Wow. I have I have them both very close. I I mean, the Avs. You know, we'll see with them. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting series ver- with them with St. Louis. I mean, if St. Louis can make that anything of that series, that's going to be huge. To me, the only difference between the Maple Leafs and the Avalanche is that the Avalanche win around before they choke. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. They have struggled to after the first round for multiple oh, years. Can, they're can so overdue. Can we talk about the fact that with the Maple Leafs eliminated, they're going to be drafting kids that weren't alive the last time they won a playoff series? I, I we're, All Leafs fans can agree. All just casual hockey fans can agree. There's just, we're just at a loss for words at this point when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Game seven at home for the Maple Leafs. They must have, I have to, I'd have to look it up. They must have the worst record in game seven at home. It's 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 not good, uh, but yeah, a lot of phenomenal series. So many win a game seven that the care, the game last night between Dallas and Calgary was insane. I mean, Jake Odinger doing like e- Igor yeah. as phenomenal as he is Jake Odinger, What a star in the making he has been. He's stepped up in the playoffs, not just this year, but in previous years, but man, oh man, he's an absolute yeah. stud at over 60 saves. Couldn't even way, get that, the damn win. That 2017 draft for, uh, for Dallas, right? They got Heiskanen, Ottinger, and um, and Robertson. They, little, literally their core three. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's their entire. That's their franchise right there. Yeah, twenty seventeen is the draft that set them up. And don't forget, this is a Dallas Stars team that went to the Stanley Cup final two years ago. Yep, yep. And, um, and they they had a complete clunker of a year last year. Shook that off, however. And again, yep. unfortunately, they fell short this year, but. I'm very excited for the Battle of Alberta. I Edmonton has been my West team for like a decade now. I'm not on the McDavid bandwagon or anything. But I've always I've always been a fan of the Oilers, really, since I fully got into hockey. So they they will have my support in that what's going to be an awesome series. And then, you know, St. Louis, Avalanche is going to be crazy. I'm rooting for St. Louis just quite literally just because of Booch, if I'm if I'm being honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, and because the Booch Zook matchup, I was fine with whoever won that one because I'm rooting for them both. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good series going on right now. And then Florida, Tampa, that's huge. I mean, Florida got worked by the caps, but they got out of it. They, they finally got out of that first round. They, they, they took the monkey off their back. That was the first time in a very long time, finally advanced. And, you know, Florida absolutely did phenomenal against Tampa in so many games during the season. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. And either way, all I know is that there's a lot of great playoff hockey coming up. And hopefully our New York Rangers get to, you know, impress a little bit more before their year is over. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I think we, I think we answered everything that we wanted did. We're an hour and a half exactly into the show. So I think this is a great stopping point for us guys. I want to thank everyone so much that listened here on live on YouTube or many of you, of course, on replay. And of course, wherever you get your podcasts, like I said, we'll be back exactly a week from now. That is the goal next Monday after three games of this series. Hopefully we come back to the Rangers being up at minimum two games to one. Um, and even if they're down, you know, we have learned that this team has shown a resiliency, not just during the regular season, but also in playoffs when as matter the most. So 
A lot's going to happen. I'm very excited. I know you guys are too. And Steven, do you have any final words before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, what episode number is this? This is episode 57, Steven. No one is crossing my mind as we speak. The first person to cross my mind, I don't think, I think he wore a different number, but I could have sworn Tarmo Ronanen was 57 at some point. Tarmo Ronanen was 51. Okay. I, I don't know why I thought he was 57. There's no player in NHL history who's ever worn 57 in an official game. Oh, wow. Okay. But I'll, I'll drop an honorable mention in Derek Stepan, who wore 57 as a rookie in preseason. Of course he did. That's, I, 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 it felt like it was going to be one of those situations, did it not? Okay. All right. Yeah. That's going to do it, folks. This was episode 57 of Rangers Review. We'll be back in a week. Hope everyone has a great one. Hopefully the Rangers play some damn good hockey, and we have a lot of fun things to talk about. But everyone, enjoy the rest of your week. Talk to you again soon. And, Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.